tribe how you been what's up welcome back welcome to season two thanks for joining us we have a lot of great things ready to go for this season and we're definitely going to be dropping episodes a lot more regularly so if you haven't already make sure that you go subscribe and you will get the freshest episodes right in your feed as soon as i drop them so for season two we're gonna kick off this first episode with ak and kapow they join me we share some wild work stories we talk about advice and then we dive into this re-emergence of really great tv content that we've been getting lately so i hope you enjoy this episode all right Chip. so this week i got a really weird text from alan and it just made me not want to have his work life at all <laughs> yeah i'm sorry about that what happened is you have the same first couple initials as one of my reporters at work. Mm -hmm. So what the text said, hey, there was a wreck on whatever street. Get over there now. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to drive towards a wreck. It's going to be traffic and nasty stuff. And mm -mm, I'm not running towards danger. I don't want this job. Yeah, let me let me see if I can like read what the text said. So I was like, there was a crash. Head that way. And you were like, wrong person. And I just responded, yep. because that's how crazy it gets in the morning is that like when stuff happens i just shoot out a text message to go i don't think anything of it and i'm glad that you responded back like wrong person yeah well here's the thing is i was like this is important whatever <laughs> this is sounds important and someone needs to go there not me i'm not going yeah <laughs> so I, I was like oh yeah i sent that to the wrong person so fortunately i did send the message to the right person we did get there we covered the crash yeah so i have two questions about this yeah how go for it like what happened how bad was a crash okay. and like how like what's the weirdest shit that happens in the morning like i almost if i were you waking up i'd be like all right i already wake up and i'm like what crazy shit did trump do today i, I can't imagine what <laughs> you wake up like what crazy shit did north carolinans do today all right so the crash i think when we ended up getting there it was like a three car crash i'm trying to remember what happened today it was either it was either nothing or it was a really big deal. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one it was. So many things happen every single day that they all kind of like blur up together. But just in recently, we had like a three car pile up. Um, two people were taken to the hospital. Like one lady ended up being in critical condition. Um, they sh we got our reporter got there and showed us sent us back video. I mean, and it was just like a mangled mess. It was terrible. Um, some mornings we go and there are car crashes, but they're not that bad. They're just little fender benders. But what happens is they affect traffic. So that's one of the big reasons why we cover it. Um, the, the, the sweet spot for morning news is covering anything that affects your morning commute, that affects how your day will play out, or your weather. That's pretty much, pretty much it. Um, on top of any trending or, or, or pressing national news that happens, you know, national is not so much as a, you know, jump on top of everything unless there's like an explosion or somebody's like bombing somebody or something like that um i mean do you have yeah, guidelines I mean, on what's too dangerous to go out to so that's the that's another thing so we news news personnel is kind of like your first responders in a sense that when everybody else is running from a situation we're running to a situation so it's like, oh, there's a fire in this house. Everybody get away. The firefighters are going towards it. The police officers are going it. 
and my reporters and my photographers are also going toward it. Now, we try to keep everybody as safe as possible. Safety is our number one concern. I'll never send a reporter alone to, you know, some standoff or like a, some shooting situation or somebody got killed because we just don't know what's out there. They could be somebody on the loose. So nine times out of 10, we'll send a photog with them. Usually that's a male photog because most of our, our reporters are female, just for a little bit extra protection. Yeah, there are some mornings where it's like, hey, look, there's a traffic jam over here and we'll send our reporter out and they'll have to like be on the side of the road. So it's not the safest, but we try to like protect them on that. You know, bad weather is probably another time where we don't really send reporters out alone. Just on the danger of this, I'm reading this book called um, The Passage. It's this three-part series. And long story short, this virus gets out, it's killing everyone. And I'm on the the second book where they're actually exploring like, you know, what happened from a different point of view. And that there's all these news reporters going out to cover this awful virus that eventually just wipes out North America. So if that's why I'm like, how bad does it have to be? Because in that instant, I'm like, I'm, I'm packing up. I'm out of here, y'all. How about we talk about Nightcrawler? Have you guys seen Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal on Netflix? Right. That's yeah. good. So I personally haven't seen the movie. I've had a lot of people tell me about it. Um, and it's a lot of it is is pretty what they tell me about it is pretty like they describe it to me. I'm like, oh, that's, some of that's pretty accurate. Some of it's like kind of like what we do. Um, apparently, he was a stringer, what we call a stringer. And that's someone who's kind of like a freelance journalist who goes out and shoots video and gets stories. And we purchase them from them. Um just because we may not have the capacity or staffing to go grab those stories ourselves. Um, in bigger markets, like when I worked in San Diego, we work with stringers a lot because we're not going to run to every car accident or every fire or every arrest or every homicide that there is. Um, but if a stringer does it, then we'll purchase stringer video and the story from them. So it's kind of like a, a win-win for both. Um, so yeah, you've seen it right, Phil. I think that the question that I have, Alan, is, is more so what is the moral obligation there to help versus document, right? So it's, 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 it's kind of like, I mean, so many different things that we see where, you know, you'll see people like filming, right? It's just, it's like when people are yelling world star versus like trying to help the girl who's getting, you know, her head beaten in, right? Or vice versa, right? Like, like where, where's the moral line? What kind of training is kind of the the reporter's code right is there a reporter's yeah. code like is it children is it i mean senior citizens what what is that line is there a line and 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 does is that shifting now with the rise okay. of kind of all social media and everything i mean kind of walk us through that i think so i think to start i'll preface this most of the time when we're covering a story it's it's post incident so say for instance a car accident and we show up nine times out of 10 police, first responders, they're already there. Um, but on the, on the occasion, maybe one of our reporters is riding by somewhere and they see something happening. It is their civic duty to jump out, stop and help what's going on. You know, just like if, if, if they're riding down the street, they see a car accident, get out, call 911, see if they can help somebody as a human being first. I would never tell my reporter, like, why didn't you get video? Why didn't you get a soundbite? Like, why weren't you this, that, or the other thing? If it was trying to help somebody's life at stake. Prime example, when they had the hurricanes in Houston 
um, last year, I want to say. Um, we have a TV station there, KHOU, um, and their station flooded out. Um, our TV station there went live on TV showing all of the stuff that was going on, all the water that was running through the station, literally showing like all the equipment getting, um, you know, getting damaged. So for news people to get that information out there, like it's kind of a, it's kind of a catch 22. Cause like, well, you should be like trying to figure out all this stuff, get this, get the equipment out. But it's like, but this is like, news happening now nobody's life is in danger in our news studio so we're going to talk about it on the other side of that one of our reporters was out on the street she was reporting about the flooding telling people not to come in this area and there was a semi-truck that had gotten into some of the water that was probably i want to say it was a good six seven feet high and he was stuck and she saw him and she's reporting it live on tv the cameraman is looking at it but at the same time, she's like very candid, very open about it. Hey, guys, we're calling 911 right now to see if we can get this guy some help because he's stuck in his truck right now and can't get out. You know, there's nothing really that she can do. She can't jump in the water and go over there and try to, like, save this guy because, you know, she doesn't know what's, what's happening over there. But at the, same t- at the same time, you know, we're telling that story, but we're also trying to facilitate a rescue situation figure out help. Um, she went viral for it. It was a big, big story because it was like happening now. And her, she won an award. Um, we had a, a company award thing. So she got an award for like helping out and advocacy and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So it's just, um, no, I think, really biggest, cool. yeah, you- I think the biggest part about it is just remembering that we're humans first, you know? Um, so, and we try to tell all our reporters that. So I was obviously here during all of those hurricanes and I was watching local news a lot. Um, so I saw that and it's, it is to Phil's point of like, and your point being human first and, and making sure that there's help on the way. There were several times there'd be um, a reporter on site and the boats needed gas. They were literally putting out calls. Hey, if you can bring us gas, great. If you can't do not even try it. And they were putting out public calls and then they would say, okay, we have to pause this broadcasting. We're going to send it back to you guys because we are going to go help deliver um, this gas or we're pushing people along. Or there's even news crews, I think, that had boats that were helping. They said, look, we're just going to help rescue people. Like, that's what we need to be doing now. So a lot of that. And I loved it, too. I think the city of Houston showed its real colors and just that it's a community, which was great. Um, But I kind of want to transition to, like, something that I see happening now. And I listen to a lot of podcast reporting. Um, There's some reporting about people trying to become citizens Um, overseas or even reporting at the border and what is happening interesting with social media is or or even the platform of podcasting these stories are getting out and then someone will call the U.S. government to check the status of of something that's of a story that's kind of gone out that person in the story and then all of a sudden they have citizenship all of a sudden they have their kid back things like that and so it's a it's a fine moral code that I think some reporters are going to be in of whose story do I take because it's going to help them specifically yeah, it's going to help yeah. the greater good to a point, but it's specifically helping people right now. And it, I think it's great, but it, how are we going to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I think with, with reporting and journalism, now things are kind of transitioning into when you tell someone's story, there is an outreach, an outpouring of either support 
or the opposite. Like if There's you an tell a story, reaction period is what you're saying. Exactly. When you tell a story about, so just recently this week, there was a home in one of our towns had 70 something odd dogs in there. The guy, um, they served a, what was an animal cruelty warrant at the location come to find out a lot of people thought he was doing a puppy mill come to find out he just really liked dogs a lot of the dogs were actually healthy some of them had heartworms but because they were old Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't a it wasn't a off the bat negative story it sounded negative because you when you think of 70 dogs in a home you're like oh there's neglect he's making he's running a puppy mill these dogs from the mouth how bad does it smell yeah exactly but apparently the most of the dogs in there were in good condition Mm-hmm. But when we ran that story, I mean, people came out of the woodworks. Oh, he's running a puppy mill. This is terrible. This is disgusting. This I is mean, that just everyone has a platform to have their opinion now. Exactly. So you're going to you get know. every opinion out there. Exactly. And because of now with social media and how easy it is to get your opinion out there, everybody sits behind their computer and says however they feel, and it's public. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of... That's kind of where we are now in the news world is that you have to be careful about how you frame anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I always tell my reporters, look, we are here to state the facts. We are not here to skew the information. We are just here to give the information. Yeah, here's all the information we have. Make your own judgment. And that's how it should be. So um, I think later in the season, there's something I want to get into with you, but um, we might have to do some research on the topic. Um, I think there's some interesting things over the years that people don't understand happen with the FCC and just kind of how that's changed some of our viewing and we don't even notice all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I also want to think about black TV shows and how in the 90s, it was a really great golden era. And now there's really great, black TV coming out, but so much of it almost seems like it has to be a statement. I mean, even with a name like Blackish, like it's a statement name. Um, and I think somewhere in the the middle ox, early, you know, teens, something happened to black TV and I want to do some research on it. And I, I want to get some opinions on that um, because I think it's interesting and it's something we're all going to have to deal with. Yeah, I I will have to look into that a little bit more. I can't say this right off the bat. As far as Blackish, I watched Blackish when it first came out, first couple seasons. Um, I was really into it. I thought it's thought and still think it's a great show um, because it does a very good job of highlighting a specific culture and a specific way of life without alienating. Yeah, so and I, I agree completely. And, and that's not the beef at all. Um, the most interesting comment I have from some of my black friends is like, but why do we have to have a TV show that has to do this commentary? Where back in the 90s, there was everyday shows, you know, dealing with everyday problems, but not having to have the black commentary or be the black expert, right? And explain it that way. I'm not saying it's bad. And I think they probably do a great job one way or another. And a lot of shows are out there doing it their own way. But the question is why? Right. I kind of understand it, but other people don't. I mean, I think, okay. so I guess what are you are you saying that like black shows back in the day didn't do the commentary? It wasn't so prevalent of a statement and notice and probably out there as it is now. And again, this is something that we should really get it. We can dig into another time. But the idea of like 
Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yes, at times it dealt with certain cultural things, but that wasn't usually always its main thing. Or it didn't make a big splash on the scene because that's it was a black show, right? Martin was a great show and it dealt with everyday things and, and showed you different sides of the culture, right? And Living Color, all of that. But now there's statement shows of, of Atlanta. Look at really how life is. And it's a great show and they're dealing with everyday stuff, but they're dealing with everyday black stuff and really putting it out there and, and trying to show people something. Well, I see. And I think I think what happened with a lot of shows back in the day like that is that I mean, let's take Family Matters, for instance. Let's take Fam- Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Let's take um, um, the Jeffersons. In those three instances, you had black shows with pretty well off or well wealthy families or even upper middle class families that did not necessarily really highlight. The true of being black in America. And I'll say this, and I'm not saying this across the board. There are tons of families just like those families. But I feel like now the statement is we are at a point where let's just be open and free about it. Like with Atlanta, like Atlanta showcases the hard times of being a young black man growing up in America who went to college, who's trying to find a job, who's dealing with a baby mama, who's dealing with, you know, living in Atlanta, you know? It's it's a very interesting show that just kind of shows what's real. There's so much realness to it, just like with Insecure, you know? No, I completely, I, I completely agree. And I like your statement of like, they just didn't deal with it back then. And okay, first off, Think about friends. There's no way working at a coffee shop and a chef, you would be able to afford, afford that apartment in New York. Okay. I think we're getting more about this yeah. kind of stuff, which is great. But um, yeah, to your point. I think the big thing here is you got to look at the distribution channels of media now, right? The show that you were talking about, there was a handful of stations, right? That was probably when cable was still at what, 60 channels, right? So there yeah. was only a yeah. limited amount of quote unquote, mainstream distribution where a show like that that contained a black cast that could talk about black issues they had to walk a fine line right now i, I don't yeah you look at some of the yeah. shows and the channels that they're on now i'm not saying that they're they're more black networks but they have a a more propensity to have black content right and then you're starting to see kind of the more yeah. friend shows popping up on like IFC or direct to stream first and then working their way towards mainstream distribution being cable, right? Whatever that might be. So I think that's, that's also the, the, the big shift that allows these quote unquote, what they were fringe topics back then to become more mainstream and, and have its own platform. Right. Uh, Yeah. And I think we should, I want to research some FCC laws and what happened to some of these distribution channels, because to your point, Phil, they were around and they walked a fine line, but then honest to God, you guys, they disappeared. Try and find, you know, one of those shows after 2005, 2007, there's not many. And so that, that's something interesting I want to explore to understand what happened there. But, but you're right. I really like the new distribution model because we can be more honest. Now here's another thing I wanted to ask you guys about and, and you too, Alan is one of my friends is I live that life of insecure every day that I don't want to go watch a show about it because it kind of stresses me out that they want just a relaxed show. They want a friends type show. See, and I guess that's, I guess that's the difference. 
difference between me is because I can't watch Friends because it's not realistic. I can't watch certain shows because I'm like, that's not like my, my biggest argument about the notebook is that's not how real life works. Have you ever seen Love Jones? Love Jones is one of my favorite love movies in history. No, and it's, it's a, it. so the cool thing about it is that it's a predominantly black cast, but it's not a black movie. Like when you watch it, you don't say, it doesn't look like something that BET would make. And I'll, I'm not going to get into my beef with BET, but yeah, that's it doesn't look like another day. <laughs> exactly. But Love Jones is a movie that any American could watch and relate to and then say, man, that's really how relationships happen. Like, it's not all love and fairy tales at the end. It's like real ish, you know, and that's just how it is, you know, kind of like kind of like uh, love and basketball. Or, I was about to bring up love and basketball. And I loved I yeah. loved that because it, it was just a great movie, even though it centered around the black culture. And maybe that's what more yeah. people want. But at, right now, I think where we're at is we kind of want and need this commentary. It, it's almost like let's set the, a realistic baseline and then we can have a sh it's not a black show. It's just a regular show. But yeah. we're going to go ahead and address these. And I love how Issa Rae randomly does it. Like one of my favorite parts in uh, season one was an episode when they take all the kids to the beach and her white coworker says, why aren't they all swimming? And she just answers racism. And I just, yeah. I, died. I died. I died. Because be yeah. And because the thing about it is like now the society we live in, you can make a joke like that. And then, and people will actually like laugh. Some people will still cringe laugh, but they'll actually laugh. But they should laugh and be like, oh, I get it. <laughs> exactly. Because back in the 90s, they'd be like, oh, my God, that's not funny. We can't put that on TV, you know? Yeah, that's too touchy. It's the, the line. Exactly. It's that line that they have to, that you had to walk, you know? And um, I think, I think just like, you know, Philip said, is that back in the 90s, too, there were just less options in general for for tv consumption now you can consume cornucopia of tv on any any platform you could literally pull it all up on your phone if you wanted to so i think the the push to be edgy and to be different is bigger now and it's like people are accepting it a little bit more i mean you know one of the biggest shows that came out in the last five years was empire people loved it and it wasn't just black people you know i had i knew 45 50 year old white women who were like i love me some empire and i was like <laughs> that's crazy because i can't even watch empire it's just too cheesy for me but they love network it. tv what do you expect yeah exactly like i'm just like i'm cool off of it now power power is my show i love power but power to me also is a very real representation of certain lifestyles you know sure the dude is a drug dealer and he's trying to get out the game but like he's trying to it, it's i, I don't no, know no, if no, I, I hear it, plenty about power yeah. and it's a great show so i want to yeah. go to this other this point just about america in general and i think what older people aren't realizing either is we're becoming more brown okay and you can't really distinguish a lot of things and it's you know intermingling and um one of the most interesting uh stand-ups that I, i've ever heard was by i think it's asan minaj and it's the prom date one 
and I, I, I just feel on his side, I've had a foreign dad, uh, a little bit different as foreign dad, white mom, and trying to bridge this culture gap and trying to help my family understand, look, I know you don't see me different, but you have to understand I'm going to run into a lot of people that do see me different. And um, I know, Phil, you have a, a foreign dad too. And foreign dads are just awesome and hilarious and just interesting in their own right. Um, but, but it's, you know, these different cultures you kind of have to bridge. And I think we can be edgy and we're accepting of it and we can laugh at it because we get it. We have friends that are of different races. And I think that's why maybe we're seeing white supremacy and hope, you know, give a one last hurrah as the rest of the country becomes brown and accepting. I don't know. Uh, you know, this is my thing with, with media, right? It's, it's back to Alan's point is, do you want realness or do you want to just turn off your mind when you watch TV, right? So I think there's a, there's a little bit of content for everyone, right? So if you don't like the realness, then you can, you know, turn on a ridiculous TV show like Weeds, where you can just sleep with any drug dealer and get out of a $20,000 debt, right? Like, that's not how the game works. But hey, it, you know, it's, it's entertaining. I'm just, I'm just saying, right? I mean, it, but back to that point, right? Is do you want the realness or do you not, right? Like, do you want to watch a cop show about the wire, right? Like the nitty gritty of, of, of what is it? I think it's like the corner, right? In, in Baltimore. Or do you want to watch like Blue Bloods, right? Which is completely different. It, it's really up to you in, 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 the, in the style, right? Because like, you know, back to what you were saying, Alan, you know, on network TV, like Empire, like my mom, she, she doesn't watch Empire. But with that said, like she loves... NCIS, she loves CSI and all that. And like, that's, that's not real. We all know that there's no like x-rays of bullets going in and seeing all that shrapnel. I mean, like half the time it's just guesswork, right? But the whole point is, do you want to turn off your mind when you watch TV or do you actually want to get engaged, right? Some people, they're engaged all day at work. And when they get home, they just want to turn off their mind, right? And there's an avenue for that. There's other people who don't do very intelligent things during the day, right? They may be more manual right? So you're literally like your body's tired, but your mind's active, right? So when you come home, you want to watch something that's a little bit more intellectually stimulating and wants a little something that's more real, right? I mean, I, I guess the, the buffet of TV or, or media, whatever you want to call it, is is to each their own, right? And so I don't have a beef one way or the other. I will say sometimes I like more real. And when the real is not as real, when the show's supposed to be real, then I have a problem with it. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't see any qualms left or right. How do you feel about fresh off the boat, Phil? I think it does hit a, a lot of points, um, being, you know, Asian and growing up, you know, Asian American. Um, but to that point, right, like, do I actually want to watch that all the time? Nah, I can just, you know, fondly, you know, flip back through the nostalgia of being ragged on as, a, as an Asian kid growing up. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, watching like Aziz and Sari's show, whatever it was, Master of None, because um, some of those things, you know, do resonate. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't need that to remember the lessons that were learned. It's nice that other people can learn those lessons had they not grown up in that environment. And that's awesome. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I won't sit there and be like, wow, this is, I, I have to watch this because I would have forgot all my roots had I not. Right. Like, it's funny. <laughs> right. If anything, it's more like uh, now other people for me, it's more like, can you just watch that and understand this is what I went. Th I already know I, this is what I went through. Right. I don't have to watch it. There are some shows that I have to be emotionally ready and stable for like this is us. Yeah. Just because of how real it can be. <laughs> That's going to do it for us, Tribe. We'll have more interesting and thought provoking topics for you next time. Don't forget, connect with us on all of our social media. We want to hear from you. 
You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Just search Tribe Culture, Culture with a K. And you can hit us up on our website, forthetribe.com, or email voice at forthetribe.com. Until next time, Tribe, remember, debate your equals and teach the rest.